What is going on? Welcome on in, everybody, to the Doghouse every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. It's the best place for a Browns and their upcoming opponent preview, and we're going to get into that tonight because we have got a humongous game to look forward to this weekend against a team that I know you're all going to get in here and want a bad mouth, and, and I'm okay with it, but we got to be nice to our guests. That's the, that's the rule in the Doghouse. We got to be nice to our guests. Even if we don't like their team and we don't like their team. So we gotta, we're going to have to talk about that a little bit. We're going to have to talk about that. Hey, we're brought to you live here tonight on the Orange and Brown streaming network. If you like the hoodie, go to the OBR.com. Hit the shop button. Grab yourself an OBR hoodie or a hat or any swag that they've got there. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. And the OBR streaming network is going crazy right now. Five nights a week of shows, including two nights here or two shows here tonight. We got the doghouse right now. And then we've got, I'll be back at nine o'clock with Garage Beers Live. So make sure you're tuned in to all of that. Without any further ado, again, a massive win for the Cleveland Browns this last week. And I know we're all still buzzing from it over the Baltimore Ravens. And now I don't know that you could have set this up to be any bigger. The Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting ready to go six and three each side. And this game. Uh, at the end of this weekend, this whoever wins this game could be sitting on top of the uh, of the AFC North. So uh, it is a huge, huge, huge game. And to talk about it, I've got a really great special guest. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, he hosts the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Network over there with Ike Taylor. I'm going to bring him in right now. It is Mark Bergen. Mark, welcome into the doghouse. Mike, thank you for having me. And I'm curious, have the Browns contacted you yet to play offensive tackle for this game? Uh, they uh, they called. They left a message. I haven't returned the call yet uh, because I don't want to hurt TJ Watt. I wouldn't want to <laughs> hurt him. I wouldn't want to hurt him. Mike, thank you for having me. And uh, man, I wish I could stick around for that garage beer segment. That sounds phenomenal. Thank you for having me on your show tonight. Hey, man, I really appreciate it. I will say this, uh, not to name any names, but we've already done this once with a Steelers guest, uh, but we couldn't. We couldn't do that again because that Steelers guest spent a little time talking to us about how the Steelers wide receivers uh, matched up with Greedy Williams. And that was <laughs> that was a real interesting situation to listen to. So, no, Mark, we're really excited to have you in. And again, uh, put the team aside, put the hatred between the two teams aside. Mark, you do an awesome job. I, I checked out some of your stuff on the Believe Network. Uh, you and Ike Taylor there uh, just breaking down the Steelers, talking about the Steelers. Uh, you do a fantastic job. So I will say this, go follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Bergen underscore, um, and check out his show. If you want to see how the Steelers and their fans and the team are, are getting ready for the Cleveland Browns this weekend. He's a great resource. Go check out everything Mark's got going on. Uh, Mark, man, let's get into this because who would have thought at the beginning of this year that we'd have two teams here at six and three identical records. Really weird ways that both teams have gotten to those records. These are this has not been a conventional way for either team to get to those records, but I don't know if we could ask for much more for this matchup at this point of the season. Yeah, I'm with you, and I'll say this coming off interesting wins, but for both teams. So Steelers have had back-to-back -back weeks where they've run for season highs, uh rushing the ball, coming off 205 yards against the Packers, and then with the Browns, too, and the comeback victory over the Ravens, I know Kevin Stefanski calling it a statement win in everything, too, but a rematch of the Monday night game that we saw earlier this year in a game where it was like, wait a second, how have the Steelers won it? And we joke around on our show, the Believe in Steelers podcast, are we calling him Clutch Kenny Pickett, Cardiac Kenny Pickett, Fourth Quarter Kenny Still trying to nail down a nickname, but when the you're not allowed to have down, cardiac, you're not allowed to have cardiac. Yeah, I know, That's, I know. That, off the listen, table, off the table. Understandable, but in all seriousness, for three quarters he doesn't play very good, but then in the fourth quarter, when it counts, he just morphs into a different dude. Now we've compared him to Eli Manning. It's not to say he's Eli with the two Super Bowl titles, but. In the fourth quarter and clutch situations, time and time and time again, even if the Steelers are facing a deficit, he's able to come out on top. But really the last two weeks with Pittsburgh, it's been the running game. They list co-starters now between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Warren coming off his first 100-yard game of his career. Najee almost had 100 against Green Bay. Both had a touchdown as well. But really it's been since the Broderick Jones, the first-round pick out of Georgia, 
He's emerged in the starting lineup. He's replaced Chooks Okorafor at the right tackle position. In the last two weeks from the first play of scrimmage for the Steelers offense, they've run right off tackle and gotten five yards. If they do the same against the Browns, I won't be mad about it. I also wouldn't be mad because they put that on tape, maybe try a play action, but he's brought an attitude, a demeanor. We call him a dancing polar bear, able to get to the second level. And it's establishing the ground game of, okay, if you then have to take that away, then maybe that opens up your passing game. Pat Firemuth might be back. He's been hurt. Deontay Johnson's recently been back from a hamstring injury. It's been an offense that has not been great by any stretch of the means. Kenny Pickett does need to be better, but at least Pittsburgh is starting to develop a semblance of an offense, something that we really haven't seen during the Matt Canada tenure at the start of the 2021 season. You brought up Pat Fryermuth. I think Mike Tomlin gave one of the great uh, injury update thing, uh, <laughs> speeches today where he was like, yeah, I hope that guy can go. And well, man, that guy might practice with us. And man, he's really trying to get back and like nothing, nothing of substance whatsoever. Well, you have to know that how to interpret favorite. it, Mike. You have to know how to interpret yeah. it. It does sound like Fryermuth's going to give it a go. Minka Fitzpatrick, we'll see uh, throughout the week. That I think is more 50-50. If you understand the Tomlinisms, it sounds like Fryermuth is going to play in this one yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, and listen, I want to start by, you know, I think we have to start with the elephant in the room here uh, as far as just kind of looking at how these teams have gotten to where they've gotten. And again, like I said, it's been unconventional. I think outside of Pittsburgh, for the majority of people outside of Pittsburgh, I know here in Cleveland, and, and we're biased to all get out, but we're trying to figure out what, what you guys, what, how many souls had to get sold to the devil for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be six and three on this season? Because when you look numbers wise, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And actually, it, the funny thing is, it, it numbers wise, like you, you, we do this fourth down or fourth quarter thing with Kenny. It hasn't been quite like it was last year with Kenny, fourth quarter guy. Uh, but like 28th in yards per game, near the bottom of the league in offensive touchdowns. The big news every week is that they still haven't out yardaged a team in a game. They get they get beat out in in yards every single week. I don't think a team has ever won as many games as the Steelers have without gaining more yards than an opponent one time. Um, the passing offense is 29th in the league. The rushing offense coming around, like you said, 20th in the league, uh, 26th in scoring. Just everything about the offense, metrics wise, is hey, this is not a very good offense. And this is not a team that scores a lot of points. They're pretty decent. Like the, the top metric is that they're 19th in the red zone in the league. Uh, so it, it, we're trying. We're all just trying to figure out offensively because defense, I think, gives a big part of this answer. And frankly, their ability to generate turnovers is outrageous. Uh, but offensively, like how is this? How are they? How are they staying afloat? So you just answered your own question, Mike. And the two that's, it. that's all point to is you lead the league in takeaways defensively with 18. Mm -hmm. You're tied for the league in your top of the league, tied for top league in turnover margin at plus 10. Wild. Kenny Pickett hasn't been great, but he has the longest active streak right now without throwing an interception. And you're coming off a game where you won time of possession for only the second time of this year. So you don't get killed in time of possession. You don't turn the ball over. And you create takeaways with a bend, but don't break defense. That's been the recipe in terms of getting into the playoffs. Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, if the season ended today, they'd have the first wild card slot. Great. Having playoff success. That's another conversation with this Pittsburgh group. I think Mike Tomlin's on his way to another winning season at year 17. It's been a remarkable run, but in terms of getting that first playoff win since the 2016 season, in terms of, the style of play in terms of you've got to be able to win different styles of play come playoff time. That's where I think there's a limit with this current Steelers team, unless you see massive improvements with this offense. And let's talk about, you know, I, we've talked a little bit with other Steelers folks about the impression of Kenny Pickett. And I, I can tell by the way you talk about him, the clutch gene that you, you, you like that part of his game, but talk about your overall feelings on Kenny Pickett because I get a sense of I get a minor sense when I talk to people that I know from the Steelers of um, I, I hesitate to use the word panic it's not panic but it's like a it's like a panic induced hope it's a if this guy doesn't work out 
you guys only had to trust me. Trust me here in Cleveland. We know what it's like to be in that Brown or in that quarterback, uh, that middle ground or, or, or not having a good quarterback and having a good roster and desperately searching for a quarterback thing. It sounds to me a little bit like Kenny Pickett gets a little hyped. Like, yeah, this is the guy. This is totally the guy. Cause if he's not the guy, then what are we, we're not going back to Mason Rudolph and, and Mitch Trubisky and that bunch. So what's your honest opinion on, on what you've seen uh, from him for his, through his first two years? I'm not really panicking at all for this reason. You let his rookie deal play out. He's in year two and you evaluate, okay, do we want to pick up the fifth year option as a first round pick? If you do great, if not great. And if you do pick up his fifth year option beyond that year, would you want to franchise tag him? So the Steelers have time. You mentioned Mitch Trubisky, who's had 50 plus career starts. We know what he can do at the quarterback position. And uh, Kenny Pickett deserves that same luxury. Because, and I pointed this out on my show today, Mike, a lot of people are upset with Kenny Pickett's play. You could point to the play calling and the predictability of the offense under Matt Canada. At some point, Mike Tomlin is culpable on part of that too. You could point to in previous seasons, they didn't have the personnel. This was the season where the sum was supposed to equal its parts. But with Kenny Pickett, it's like, the question I have is this, and the answer is that there isn't an answer. Who are the Steelers supposed to bring in post Ben Roethlisberger that you could point to that would be a tangible upgrade over Kenny Pickett on a rookie contract? Because I get it in my mentions of all these crazy claims. I mean, before the deadline, should Pittsburgh trade for Kirk Cousins before he got hurt? And it's like, sweet, so we'll pay the remaining balance on a $35 million contract uh, for marginal better play? Like, what are we talking about in terms of getting this team back in contention to win a Super Bowl. So uh, if a good young rookie quarterback, and you know this, uh, is worth his salt, he'll quickly outperform his rookie contract. It hasn't been what you'd have hoped with the 20th overall pick, but I look in the division, what Deshaun Watson has done in the past with Houston with his on-field performance, what Joe Burrow has done, and what Lamar Jackson has done. The AFC is a gauntlet. The Texans might have another one with Stroud, Mahomes. I could name, I could go through the whole oh, yeah. list. That was the hope with Kenny Pickett. But the question I always go back to is post Ben Roethlisberger, what the heck were the Steelers supposed to do in that scenario, if not for Pickett? Point me to an option where it would be a tangible upgrade given salary cap constraints, drafting position. This is where Mike Tomlin's a victim of his own success. He's in year 17, Mike. I want you to think about this for a second. <laughs> the highest pick he's had during his tenure in Pittsburgh was the 10th pick, and they traded up to get Devin Bush back in 2019. The 10th pick is the highest pick he's had. So you're not going to bottom out and get Caleb Williams or Drake right. May or that, another well, that's, stud quarterback. So yeah. that's where I land with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the, the ultimate thing as far as all the crazy, because we were doing it too here, especially we didn't know when Deshaun Watson was going to play. And so people were Kirk Cousins and should they go get bring back Josh Dobbs and get Jacoby Brissett and all that stuff. They were doing it here. They were calling for it here. Um, I, I would. Can we I talk would, about Dobbs I, for I, just a second, Mike? I, I would take Kirk Cousins over Kenny Pickett in a pretty quick. But fashion. for $35 but I would, million versus a rookie deal. The cap constraints are, you know, but. And, and we yeah. could talk about Dobbs, too, because Cleveland brought him back. He was on Pittsburgh, Arizona, Tennessee. Several other teams have had Dobbs, and this isn't an anti-Josh Dobbs segment. It's not. No. But you can always say that the grass is greener. Point me to a quarterback that is tangibly better than Kenny Pickett that the Steelers could have gotten. That answer doesn't exist. It, it yeah. doesn't. Well, and it's tough. And, 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 and that's if I was a Steelers fan, if my, my concern with Kenny Pickett would be if he does not develop, we consistently put out a good roster. So the bottoming out thing is just not, I, I would love to say as a Browns fan, the Steelers are going to bottom out and lose two games next year. <laughs> I just, like, until it happens, like, I, I, this was the year I was like, all right, the winning, the winning season year is over because I just looked at them. I was like, this team isn't going to win a ton of games. And here they are, six and three, and they're going to have another winning season. Uh, and, and, and it just, until it happens, I'm not going to believe that it's not going to happen. But, if he doesn't, if he doesn't pan out, we're not going to be bottomed out. We're not going to be uh, number one, number two draft pick, and it's going to be hard for for us to find the replacement. That that would be my concern 
but like you said, there's time for that, obviously, with him just in his second season. Uh, but yeah, I just always, I think it's interesting because there's so many, the, the opinions are so scattered across the board on Kenny Pickett and what he can become. Yeah, I just, I go back to, it's like, what what were you supposed to do in that scenario? Like, in all seriousness, because you look at the quarterbacks that hit the free agent market, maybe above average is the best that you're going to get on, on a year-to-year basis. So, like, let's just be real about that. And you have the luxury of the fact that he's played at Akersher, formerly Heinz Field, where he's got that familiarity. He had a lot of game experience in college coming into the league. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then, I mean, if the big question too, if you're looking at this big picture is they've brought Matt Canada down from the booth onto the sidelines, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. And the offense has been better this last two weeks, but given what we've seen and the predictability, and I could point to all these stats where the Steelers offense hasn't been very good. What he would need be able to do to keep his job because his contract is up by the end of the season you know, we look at Ken Dorsey just got fired by the Bills today. Yep. Byron Leftwich, a former Steelers quarterback, has experience as an offensive coordinator with a Super Bowl winning team in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's out there. You could go get him. Tom they'll, Brady's they'll, try to, they'll try to bring someone else in if Matt Canada doesn't keep his job. And that remains to be seen. It's like what he would need be able to do is the offense would need to get way better. And you got to go win a playoff game, period. Let's go over to the other side of the ball, Mark, uh, and let's talk about the defense because I find the defense for the Steelers to be fascinating. Uh, We always, I associate the Steelers with just really good, rock-solid defense. And some of their numbers pan that out. This is a Steelers team that gives up a ton of yards. Uh, They gave up a ton of yards. They let you move the ball up and down the field. They're letting teams consistently move the ball up and down the field. And yet... They're one of the best scoring defenses in football. They don't, they let you move the ball all the all you want, but they don't let you score very much. And again, we talked about the 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 red zone defense is outrageous. I think it's one of the top in the league. And they turn you over like crazy. So I, you know, what's the what worries? Is there anything that worries you about the Steelers defense the way that they're playing? Are they playing with fire a little bit as, in as much as they're letting teams move the ball? A little bit, but let me give you glass half full, glass half empty. I'll start with glass half full. Cam Hayward's back in this lineup now to where great he was out for, yeah, it's great for the Browns, right? Right, uh, yeah, great. He, he missed significant time with a groin injury, had an operation. Week one, he goes down, and he's now two games back. So, you know, what of your best defensive lineman? And he gets his notoriety in Pittsburgh, but he's a name where I think he's probably known across the AFC North, but really not the NFL overall. So he's back. He should help shore up the front seven. Where I have concern for Pittsburgh is your two inside linebackers that you bring in, Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb, both have season-ending injuries now. So Landon Roberts, who was in a three-linebacker rotation because the Steelers traditionally run a 3-4 defense, now has to take on more of the responsibility. Mark Robinson will get into the mix. Michael Walker will get into the mix, someone that they're elevating off the practice squad. And this was a defense where two years ago, the Steelers defense led the NFL on sacks, but ranked dead last in rushing yards allowed. I don't know if I've ever seen that dichotomy before. It was better last season when you bring in Brian Flores as a linebackers coach and a defensive assistant. He's now the DC over for the Minnesota Vikings. So he's no longer on the Steelers coaching staff, but the Steelers said, Hey, Devin Bush, miles, Jack, they're not getting it done. We're going to bring inside linebackers to do the job. The issue is again, Cole Holcomb and, and Quan Alexander are both injured now with season ending injuries. How you adapt to that after the trade deadline too, is a huge question mark that I have because we know regardless of who's lined up for the Browns, I know Chubb's not healthy, but they have a very good offensive line. Callahan, their offensive line coach, is very well-respected throughout the league. So the Browns run the ball. Ravens run the ball. Joe Mixon's not bad. And the reason why I bring up the AFC North teams are those those are the teams that you're going to have to play twice a year. And it's the physicality. It's the bully ball of the AFC North. That's what we've seen for the last, gosh, 20, 30 years. So that's that's the concern that I have is the depth at the inside linebacker position that you had even just two weeks ago. 
two key contributors, two key starters now out with season-ending injuries. That's where I'd try to attack the Browns, uh, the Steelers, if I was the Browns offenses, is that interiors. Hey, can you hold up up front with young players trying to establish themselves, specifically at the inside linebacking position, just because Roberts has some game experience, but those other two guys, Walker and Robinson, they just don't have as much game experience to this point. Uh, that's a huge question mark I have, not just going into this game, but beyond the 2023 season throughout this for the Steelers defense. All right, let's 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 have a fun conversation here for a minute because we're talking about the Steelers defense. We could talk a little bit about the Browns defense too because uh, the Steelers rankings don't look as gaudy as the Browns rankings, but the Steelers defense has been good, especially when you talk about how little they've allowed teams to score. But let's go into my favorite debate that happens. I'll give you my opinion on it afterwards, but let's go into my favorite debate that happens online. And it seems to happen consistently amongst Browns and Steelers fans. And it doesn't matter whether the Steelers are playing the Packers or the little sisters of the poor. doesn't matter who the Browns are playing. <laughs> this debate rages on over and over and over again. And Mark, I want to have it with you. I want to have this debate with you. Uh -huh. The debate rages on TJ Watt versus Miles Garrett. Can I just say this? This is like, the Brown Steelers version of the MJ LeBron debate. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's how I feel about it. Let me say this. I, I would say that like Garrett probably has better natural ability. I also think Watt has been the beneficiary of playing with Cam Hayward and playing opposite right now. It's Alex Highsmith. Bud Dupree had two good years when he was trying to get the bag as well where if he garners a lot of attention, someone else eats. I don't know if Miles Garrett has had that luxury in Cleveland. Uh, the numbers and the statistics and the production have been better than Watt, but I'd probably say Garrett has better natural ability in terms of like, if you were building your dream defensive end, they're both terrific players. I mean, in all seriousness, it's like, and then you could get into the head-to-head -head matchups where it's like, well, the Steelers typically are better than the Browns in the head-to-heads too. So it's just like, look, like it's one of those things where it's like the MJ LeBron debate. You're going to have both people in their camps. And it's like, for me, it's like just recognize both of their greatness. And that's just kind of how I land about that. I know it's not flashy at all, Mike, but I'd, I'd love to hear what you think about the whole thing. No, you know, I love it. I, I was waiting to see if you were going to give some big, like firm statement about like Miles Garrett sucks, TJ Watt. No, but but I'm no. with you. I, 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 I love the debate because I hate the debate. I love the debate. I love you brought up the point that I bring up a lot in if you want to if you want to give Miles a little nudge in the debate, it's TJ Watts played with a lot of guys like look at the amount of TJ Watt fumbles TJ Watt has recovered and returned for touchdowns and stuff. Why? Because Cam Hayward has crushed a quarterback and forced a fumble and TJ Watts right there to pick up the ball. Uh, having said that, anybody that says there's there's this contingent, I, I know it's a Browns thing. But anybody that says that this that these aren't two of the top three defensive ends in all of football, is morons, crazy. morons, it's crazy to me. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Uh, you can you can make all the excuses you want for why T.J. Watt you don't like him, and he plays for the Steelers, and he's got better players around him, and all that stuff. And you can and you can talk about PFF grades and all that all you want. the <laughs> The fact of the matter is, these are two of the top three. These are two of the top three defensive ends in all of football. And you maybe can throw, you can maybe throw Nick Bosa into the conversation out there in San Francisco. But other than that, I mean, th this is the elite maybe of the elite. Parsons, let, let me piggyback off that too, Mike. Uh, in the season, your listeners will love this. In the season where Watt tied the single season sack record with Michael Strahan. So he obviously leads the NFL in sacks. He also led the NFL in tackles for loss that season. And he played in only 15 of the 17 possible games. And oh, by the way, in four of the games, he played 50% or fewer of the team's defensive snaps. Here it comes. So last year, too, it's like, well, why are we talking about two years ago? He was hurt. Look at what the Steelers do, not just defensively, but as an entire team when he plays versus when he doesn't play. Yeah. He's the Jenga piece. So if, if you don't have him on the field, he's a special, special player. I also think there's something to this and why the Browns haven't done this. I don't know, but let's have a deeper conversation about this for just a second. TJ Watt consistently lines up against an opposing team's right tackle. Why? Because most quarterbacks are right-handed. He can get right in the face of an opposing quarterback. 
I also think there's something to the fact that we always talk about the left tackle and the blind side of protecting quarterbacks. And I understand that maybe it's easier to force a fumble if the quarterback doesn't know that you're coming. But is there a talent discrepancy between left tackles in the NFL when you're drafting a first round tackle? You hope it's a left tackle and not a right tackle where maybe there's growing importance to the right tackle position. And, you know, this segment's not going to lead SportsCenter, but in terms of how football's actually played, these are things that I think about when I watch football. And it's no mistake that the Steelers line Watt over opposing teams' right tackles, again, because most quarterbacks are right-handed in this league. And I honestly think that there's an argument to be made where your best offensive lineman's probably either your center or your left tackle. At least your smartest is going to be your center. It should and be. And then your left tackle. So I, I I think there's something to that. I think it's interesting. The Browns usually, because Garrett's usually lined up over the left tackles, if, usually. if I'm not wrong. Uh, I do want to go back real quick to the Garrett Watt argument because yeah. uh, our friend Browns fan 122907 in the comments said, Mark, you made good points, but his argument would be that Miles is better. So shout out to that. I don't, that's flawless, flawless uh, uh, reasoning there. Brown's it's the bad. MJ LeBron debate. You're going to be in one camp or the other. I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's anything either of us could say that would change no. anyone's opinions. I think there's arguments to be made for both. I genuinely do. I love, I think you made a great point. I think, uh, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, um, that has always been interesting to me that Pittsburgh lines up what usually over the right tackle. Mm -hmm. And usually that isn't your like, I, I look at the right side of the line. It's what we have in Cleveland a lot of the time. The right side of our line is the Maulers uh, in the run game. Conklin. Uh, and 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 Dewan Jones. And now, if you know, hopefully he's back. Uh, but if he's not back, it's James Hudson. And that James Hudson might not be a very good pass defender, and that's going to be a problem against T.J. Watt. But, man, he can block in the run game. And Wy Wyatt Teller's over there at right guard, right? And those guys are maulers in the run game. Wyatt Teller's a nasty, nasty dude. And yeah. uh, they, they had him in the playoff game a few years back against Tyrod Matthew. And it's just like, I would not want to have to go up against Wyatt Teller. His physicality yes. is something else. And again, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach. That's your identity for Cleveland. And when Chubb was healthy, okay. But Jerome Ford has done a Nice job filling the void. You bring Kareem Hunt back. And it's just like you you fill in Ford instead of Chubb. And it's like, look, I know no one's Chubb, nah. but that's your identity uh, in Callahan. There's a reason why he is he is very, very well respected. And Mike Tomlin even brought it up during his media availability today. That's a name where it's like uh, he the better that the Browns can run the ball, the better that they're be able to set things up in the passing game with Deshaun Watson. There's it's not flashy, but like now that we're into November, November, December, January football, it's different than the high flying fantasy that we see in September on October. It's a different style of football. That's right. Uh, so listen, we've talked about kind of how the Steelers have gotten here. And I said at the beginning, both teams have taken non-traditional routes. Uh, the Browns have, in the last game, and people are still not happy about uh, about a certain player for the Pittsburgh Steelers taking out Nick Chubb. Uh, the uh, the Browns have lost their quarterback for several games and had to go with P.J. Walker and D.T.R. at times, and yet somehow the Browns managed to work their way through that whole situation, largely behind one of the best defenses in football. Um, and and they found their way to six and three. Like I, I think if you'd have told me before the season. Nick Chubb's going down week two. Then we're going to have this phantom shoulder injury to Deshaun Watson. And we're not going to, and I don't mean that as if it wasn't real. It, I, it just means there was no, like, we didn't know what it was. Every week we were hearing, yeah. oh, he might be ready this week. He might and not he's be medically ready cleared. Week. And then he doesn't want to go. And it's just like, yeah, well, and, and he was hurt and he was trying to go. And then he came out and played like five plays against the Colts and he couldn't go anymore. And we just, it was, it's not a, it's not a phantom thing in that it wasn't real and it didn't exist. It's a phantom thing in that we had no idea what to expect. If you would have told me we would have lost our left tackle and our right tackle, two right tackles. If you would have told me all that stuff coming into this season, I'd be like, oh, cool. The Browns are going to have one win going into that Pittsburgh game. <laughs> and this, this season is going to suck real bad, but they've managed to find their way through it. Uh, and, the, and they've grown in crazy ways. And it all culminated this last week against the Baltimore Ravens. You talked about bully ball 
in the AFC North. Mark, as a Browns fan, I'm used to watching teams bully ball the Browns. And maybe that narrative is starting to get a little bit old because the Browns have been more competitive over the last five years. But kind of used to teams bully balling the Cleveland Browns. And what the Browns did to the Ravens this last week, uh, they bully balled the Ravens. They, yeah, they not with the defense either. I mean, you're finally putting it together with the amount of first rounders on that defense. Yeah. And I think that's where bringing over I mentioned the identity with the offensive line, Jim Schwartz instead of Joe Woods. So it's like, I look at, okay, like you have similar personnel and it's like, all right, let's revamp who the defensive tackles are to help out miles Garrett because Miles Garrett's going to be neutralized if you don't get a push up front at all. And you can't establish the A and B gaps at the line of scrimmage with your tackles. Welcome to last year. Tackles. It, it, that's what I'm talking about. Yep. So the difference is, is you revamp that, you bring in Jim Schwartz, and it's like, there you go. That's why your defense has had success. The Browns have a very, very good defense this season. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, they've been, they've been awesome, and they've worked themselves into this. Uh, again, last game they beat the Ravens, and it really it felt like a turning point. And and I'll tell you from our perspective, Mark, and then maybe you can give us the 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 Steelers fan perspective on this upcoming game uh, against each other. But I'll tell you from a lot of Browns fans' perspective, this game is is it's the most meaningful regular season football game I can remember in a long time in Cleveland. It's a division opponent. It's Pittsburgh. It's coming off a hard-fought, emotional win over Baltimore in which I think a lot of fans, whether they want to admit it or not, thought that we were coming out of Baltimore at 5-4 and four and not 6-3, and three, uh, especially the way Baltimore was playing. Uh, and now there's a chance here in Cleveland, there's a chance to take down Pittsburgh, go to 7-3 and three on the year. You're getting healthier. Deshaun Watson is looking better and better. And it's it's like, oh, if the Browns get this game against Pittsburgh, like it's on like this is the 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 the, the we are contenders like it, it this is the this is the stamping point right and that's the feeling here it's a huge feeling for this game uh in this moment i don't know you know pittsburgh's had a different route to where they are this season and it's been filled with a lot of playoff runs and a lot of division titles and some super bowls and all that kind of stuff what are they saying about this game in pittsburgh you know, if you could get two, it, it's really hard in the division. I look at it at quarters. I try not to take too much from any one individual game, but I look at the season in quarters, and there's Kenny Pickett's under fire this week, and it's like your team's six and three, you're in a playoff position. It could be much, much worse. There's other teams that would kill to be in the spot that you're in right now. But to take down Cleveland would be huge because you pretty much stole a game earlier this year. In fact, I'll just say it. Steelers should not have won that Monday night matchup earlier in this season. Alex Highsmith went off because of the right. attention Watt garners. He gets an interception, strip sack fumble that Watt picks up and runs for a touchdown. So you're getting two defensive touchdowns, and you barely scrape by because the offense hasn't been very good. Probably not going to get two touchdowns in this game from your defense. So you've got to be able to find a way. I think there's a reason why Cleveland at home is a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite in this one. It's a big game, but I look at the season in quarters and the division matchups, though, it's really, really tough to win both of those games, regardless of how good or bad a team is. Um, I wouldn't put too much on this because like I'm looking at it from the standpoint for Pittsburgh, assuming they can continue on the trajectory that they're on right now. Sweet. They get into the playoffs. It used to be in Pittsburgh. OK, we're going to go win a Lombardi. Let's go get the seventh trophy. I just want to see a playoff win. It's been a long time. I, I'm a Tomlin fan. I'm in his camp. But it's been since the 2016 season that the Steelers have won a playoff game. So that's that's kind of my litmus test for the season. It's not to look beyond this game. It's very important. But that's how I'm looking at it and everything. And then from the Browns standpoint, too, which Deshaun Watson's going to show up? Are you going to get 14 of 14 like you saw in the second half? And it's like, whoa. This is the guy that we paid a fortune for and gave him the largest guaranteed contract. Are we going to see the guy who was six for 20 in the first half? And it's like, it's so funny because if we would have been having the same conversation after that first half in Baltimore, you'd have been, oh, well, the sky is falling. And that's why you have to take it beyond just one game. It's a big one. It's a big one for me, Mike, because it's the division. It's yeah. because it's the division and the AFC North, like 
There's a reason it's a gauntlet. It might be the best division in the league. I'll say this, though, too, with this caveat. I think each team in the division has serious, serious flaws that might prevent their ability to actually win in the playoffs because I'm at the standpoint right now where it's like, I think Pittsburgh can get in the playoffs, but once they're there, it really probably is more incumbent upon what's their matchup because the offense isn't where it needs to be right now. Fair. Yeah, I, and and I totally understand. And listen, if the Browns didn't win this game, which I don't want to talk about, but if they didn't win this game, <laughs> is is it the end of the season? No, but I think I think what a lot of Browns fans are doing is looking at the rest of the schedule because the Browns have been through the gauntlet part of the schedule. This mm-hmm. this would classify just because, and and even if you don't think the Steelers are. Even if, even if you don't think they're as good as their record says they are, uh, this is still part of that gauntlet of that first part of the season. And then they're, you're, you're looking at the Browns' schedule going, okay, things have loosened up a little bit here. Uh, and we've got the Bears coming, and we got the Rams, and we got you know some of these teams that should be teams that the Browns can handle. Uh, so if you can come out with your seventh win in this one and you look at the rest of that schedule, you're going, oh, okay. We're feeling pretty darn good about what this can, come, can look like. And, and now we're talking about, can you get to a point where you're not just playing in the playoffs, but can you get to a point where you're hosting a playoff game? I think that's why Cleveland fans are so amped up for this game. Mike, can I ask you a question about what's the sentiment, not just this season, but beyond this season with Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland? Yeah, I was going to ask you about Tomlin too. So that's a good, that's a good mm-hmm. jump off point. Um, I don't know how you could want the Browns to do anything but extend Kevin Stefanski. Um, I think the majority of the sentiment is that. I think he's an imperfect coach. I think uh, sometimes the play calling can be a little, uh, a little too out there sometimes. Like sometimes you got to just take some of the easy stuff and go with it. And Kevin can get a little too cute sometimes. But having said that, especially with what he's done in the situation this year, where you you didn't have Deshaun Watson and you've lost Nick Chubb and offensively you've still been okay. Uh, you, you managed to win games with P.J. Walker uh, against the San Francisco 49ers, and that wasn't an offensive display by any stretch, but you managed to win games. I think the majority of Browns fans are in the boat of Kevin could get better at things, but he's really good, and he's a very good head coach, and he's and he's – Clearly, he's got the buy-in from his players. That was always kind of a question with Kevin Stefanski. Is he's the kind of coach that inspires the buy-in from his players. I think that's never been more evident than it is this year uh, because those players are completely bought in. Uh, and so I think the majority say, keep him. You certainly have the, the contingent of fans that um, it's kind of what we were talking about before. The grass is greener, right? They think if you replace Kevin Stefanski with, I don't know who, um, that they'll be able to get more out of players. I just don't. For me, I'm I'm all I'm team Kevin Stefanski all day every day. I think he's a phenomenal head coach and I think he's still getting better. Uh he's he's a relatively young coach in the league. So, uh I we see one uh we see a comment here, oh, right here, uh from Mick the Dog that says Kevin Stefanski way 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 too predictable play caller at times drives me crazy. I just don't know who could be better. So I, for me, I'm all about Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I kind of look at it from the standpoint of since the Browns came back into existence in the 99 season, it's just been a rinse and repeat of let's cycle through GM, head coach, and quarterbacks. And I mean, gosh, we could probably talk till sun up of what happened during Baker Mayfield's tenure in Cleveland and everything too. But just to stop that cycle, and this is way easier said than done with NFL success and franchises, but I guess I suppose I'm of the opinion where it's like if you have continuity with ownership, general manager, head coach, and quarterback, those four positions, you can put your franchise in a position to succeed. And yes, while I think there are better coaches than Kevin Stefanski, at least you have an adult in the room, really since both he and Andrew Barry came on board in Cleveland. It's like, are you going to win a Super Bowl? I don't know, but they they gave Kansas City as good a run as any team has when the Chiefs were doing their thing a few seasons back and to be right there. That's yep. why you go and swing for the fences and you bring in Deshaun Watson because you can't hit a home run if you don't swing for the fences. 
So at least with Stefanski, like I get it. And maybe he's more valuable to Cleveland than he would be another pro franchise. But I just see that cycle. I see that cycle that the Browns went through. Uh, I mean, just look back at Mayfield's run of Hugh Jackson, then uh, the the interim Williams, and then Freddie Kitchens. And then then it's just like young quarterback development. How's a young quarterback supposed to develop if you're just – trying to treat a, treat a flesh wound with a Band-Aid. It doesn't make any sense because when young quarterbacks struggle, I think the question shouldn't be, well, it's like, oh, this guy just sucks. Okay, who's his personnel around him? Offensive line play doesn't get talked nearly about enough because it's not flashy. But more importantly than any of those things as well as coaching. Yeah. Coaching is is going to be the most important thing because there's only going to be a handful of John Elway, Peyton Manning, Joe Burrow types in this league period. There's only going to be a handful, right? Yeah. Oh, you're hundred percent right. And and we've been through the carousel and that's, uh, I saw a comment that came through before that said Stefanski's, uh, Stefanski's great. Uh, AB, the GM, even better. Um, you mentioned a couple other, um, parts of the organization that, um, could be called into question, but, uh, uh, from a coach and a general manager standpoint, I'm, I'm happy with what the Browns have. You guys deal with it too over there. Now, I, I'm going to hope it's settled down a little because I've, I've, I said a million times over, if for some reason the Browns didn't get it right and Kevin Stefanski was uh, removed from his position and you got all these Steelers fans uh, that it just seems like it's the loud ones on Twitter that are like, fire, fire, fire Mike Tomlin. And they, they don't win enough with they're not winning playoff games and they don't win the big game with Mike Tomlin. I'm I've said a million times. Oh, uh, if for some reason Stefanski wasn't here and the Steelers fired Mike Tomlin, he could just two hour drive right up the road. Uh, there's a house fresh somewhere for him to buy, and he could sign a contract for as long as he wants it in Cleveland. Roll like, out the red carpet. I don't know what's going on with the people in in Pittsburgh, but like Mike Tomlin is a a, a an elite level head coach in the NFL. And it's like, could he at least have a losing season first before you want to just run him out of town? You know, there's only one team that wins the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, I'd like to have better playoff success during his run. He's won a Super Bowl. He's brought you to two. I understand that's more than a decade ago. We talked to John McClain. He wrote for the Houston Chronicle. He's covered the NFL for almost 50 years. And we talked to John. We were asking, what's Mike Tomlin's future? And this was around the time where there were rumblings that Sean McVay might retire and become a commentator and make an exorbitant amount from being a commentator for Amazon. And I think Mike Tomlin could very well do the same if he ever decides to hang it up and say, hey, I want to be an analyst or uh, be in the booth or be a commentator. But Mike Tomlin, during his tenure, again, no losing seasons, he can be in Pittsburgh as long as he wants to be because he has the buy-in from ownership and his GM. And it's like, yeah, I understand from a style of state play standpoint, he does need to adapt into the 21st century and beyond having a mobile quarterback playing 11 on 11 football, being able to win different styles of play. Because there's times with the Steelers, it's like they're trying to win with a model that worked in, say, 2003, 2004, yeah. 2005. But when John McClain, who's covered the NFL for 50 years, says if the Steelers ever decided to get rid of Tomlin, one of the other 31 franchises would hire him on the same day by sundown. Yeah, I right. take that to heart because this is a guy who's covered the league for almost 50 years. So when he says that it resonates with me, Pittsburgh's very lucky to have Mike Tomlin. We'd love to see him get another Lombardi before he hangs it up. I think he still has gas left in the tank, whether it's five, 10, 15 years. I, I don't know, but if Pittsburgh wants to run him out of town, Again, it's the same argument I'll make with Kenny Pickett. Who are you, who are you hiring? Who are you bringing right. in? Oh, that for says, sure. Oh, that's going to be the next generation. And it's not how the Roonies conduct business because you had Chuck Knoll and you had and you had Bill Cower before Mike Tomlin. You have Mike and Tomlin. That's it. And that's what a, it. What a great run you could have. I'm talking to a Browns fan base right now where it's just like, huh, we could list off four or five times as many coaches as we've had during that same run. So We're- we're praying that you guys do it. We're praying that you do it. <laughs> I I pray. Look at Hugh Jackson's available for you guys if you want. Uh, <laughs> I I pray. I pray that you guys fire Mike Tomlin and uh, then you you get a simple taste of what the coaching carousel is like because it's it's no impossible. Thank you. No, it's thank impossible. You. It's impossible. All right. Hey, Mark, we got a, a few minutes left. 
let's just let's really get into this matchup here for the next few minutes and and then we'll get to into like maybe a key of the game and a prediction for this one. Mm-hmm. So let's start Steelers defense, Browns offense. Again, on the offensive side of the ball for the Browns, I don't think you can say you're going to get 14 for 14 Deshaun Watson because you can't say that you're going to get a perfect outing from a quarterback and he was really damn near perfect that second half of that game. I also would be very surprised if we saw six for 20 Deshaun Watson again, because once he really settled in, everything looked a little more comfortable. His throws looked much better, and it looked like he just loosened up uh, as that game went along. So Deshaun Watson uh, coming in probably looking better than he ha- than he did specifically in week two, uh, where he was really struggling to find himself in that game. And then obviously Nick Chubb going out, I think that really took the wind out of the sails of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I think it was very emotional for them that night, and and I don't think they knew how to respond to that. Uh, and you got the Steelers' defense. Uh, I think, the, the, to me, the thing you have to watch in this matchup, uh, you brought up a great thing uh, with middle linebackers and David Njoku. I think that's a matchup area you got to watch because David Njoku's been a beast, especially lately. Uh, but I think you got to look at those guys on the outside of the defensive line, the ends on the line versus the tackles, and that is a... That's the point where the Browns have got to get this game right. Yeah, I want to save that for the key matchup because you're going to have to block, chip, keep tight ends in, running backs in to help off the edge. So I want to save that because that's really my key point. But what I'm curious about is like in the first matchup, Joey Porter Jr., the Steelers' second-round pick, 32 overall at Penn State, he wasn't starting for Pittsburgh the last time these two teams played. And he was the guy that Pittsburgh threw out uh, against DeAndre Hopkins and limited D hop a few weeks back. So, okay. Do you want to put JPJ to neutralize Amari Cooper on the outside? And then how you're going to attack Patrick Peterson, who's on the back half of his career, maybe the last few years of his career, signed a two-year deal with Pittsburgh. I'd imagine he might have a season or two left. Levi Wallace has been up and down too. So how the Browns attack the Steelers cornerbacks, that's an area that has not been great for the Steelers defensively, and they have some injuries. So, okay, if Minka Fitzpatrick, your best defensive back, isn't going to play, and they're saying he's 50-50, it could go either way right now. If the game were played, like, say, Thursday, I wouldn't expect him to be able to go. That's an area where the Browns need to take advantage, whether it's Cooper or another receiver. So that's that's kind of how I look at that from attacking this Steelers defense, but you've got to keep Watson clean. You got to keep him upright because that pass rush is going to get after you because the Steelers can get home with four. And the thing that they do have is it's not just Watt and Highsmith. Marcus Golden, the veteran player who's had double digit sacks three times in his career, has made the most out of his limited opportunities, along with Nick Herbig as well, where it's not the number of snaps, but the number of snaps that they get, they contribute. So that's an area of depth with Pittsburgh is. Yeah, Watt and Highsmith get all the headlines, but they have depth behind both of those players too. That's an advantage that the Steelers need to take advantage of given the injuries along the Browns' offensive line. Mark, one thing that I find so fascinating about doing this show every week is I think almost every single week, the person I talk to in talking about how their team is going to match up with the Cleveland Browns mentions their best cornerback neutralizing Amari Cooper. And it hasn't happened. He's Mr. And consistency. It, He's Mr. And it doesn't happen. There no. is no neutralizing this dude. I I I love having this guy. I I don't know that I love having anybody on my team more than Amari Cooper with Nick Chubb out because this dude just quietly goes about his business. Everybody talks about him as if he's not an upper tier wide receiver in the <laughs> NFL. And then every yeah. week he goes out there and shows you that he's better than anybody that he is so much better than anybody gives him credit for. And, and again, I hear it every week. Well, if they just put their best corner on him, you neutralize him. He's out. I'm like, that is not going to work. Try to is what I should have said because <laughs> yeah. Mike, you're exactly right. His route running ability. He's a receiver. We don't talk about, and it's the consistency year after year, after year, after year. Why? We're like, he's not Tyree kill. Okay. But, He's up there, I'd say, what, maybe top 10, a top 10 yeah. receiver. It's like he, he shows he's himself the type to of player year. you'd love to have on your team. And it's funny, too, Mike. I talked to some <laughs> Browns folks, too. You know, that sentiment you have about Amari Cooper. I never got that feeling uh, with Browns fans when you guys had OBJ. Never had the same feeling of what it is that we're talking about right now. We really tried to talk ourselves into it. 
<laughs> oh man, I really tried to talk myself into it. I really did. I really did. No, no offense, to OBJ, yeah. but when your dad makes a video about how you got to leave, then it just. I also think the running game is huge for the Browns. I mean, I think, I think if uh, the best way to kind of neutralize a pass rush is to make them fear the run game a little bit, and to make to make TJ Watt have to hesitate a little bit on a move because he's concerned about a play action that might be headed his way. And that gives Deshaun Watson a little extra time to throw the ball. I think that is a huge part of this game. The Browns have to do what they did last week against Baltimore. A really good run defense. That offensive line has to bully ball in the run game. And, and Jerome Ford and 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 Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson have to use their legs in this game. I think that's imperative. Or else, if you let those guys just tee off and not worry about the run game, it's problematic. We don't talk about time of possession nearly enough, but if you talk to any player who's played defense in the NFL and you ask, what's it like to have an offense that can sustain drives, can stay on the field, and you've got a good running back that you know that's going to consistently move the chains, not fumble and put up points on the board to where you're sitting on the sidelines, drinking Gatorade, getting your legs back, maybe getting some oxygen, chilling to where, oh, okay, now we got to go back on the field. We're ready. We're ready. That's we don't right. talk about time of possession enough. It doesn't always tell the story of every single game, but that compiles as a season gets later and later and later into the season. And it's a very important facet of football where, again, it's not flashy, but it can win you a lot of ball games in this league. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, it's the Pittsburgh offense, the Browns defense. Again, the Browns defense has been one of the league's best, but, they, you know, it's it's not an every week thing, right? Uh, it, it's hard to be uh, dominant week in and week out. And they, they're they good. And they they have started lately. If they're not going to dominate an entire game, they've started lately making big plays at big moments. You saw it in the game against Baltimore, whether it was the Ravens having the ball in field goal range and Miles Garrett coming up with two sacks to basically knock him out of field goal range, or obviously the big play on Greg Newsom's first career interception going for a pick six to what should have tied the game up. Uh, but instead, uh, after the missed extra point, uh, it still got the Browns to a position where the field goal wins the game, and that's ultimately what happened. They've become, as this season has gone on, a little bit more opportunistic, and that turnover margin for the Browns was not very good to start the year. And again, what do you expect when we're talking about, no offense to P.J. Walker, but we're talking about P.J. Walker and you don't have Nick Chubb and you, you're turning the ball over a lot. Uh, that turnover margin is getting better and better for the Cleveland Browns. On the other side, though, uh, that's what the defense is best at. So for me, uh, a big part of this game for the Cleveland Browns defensively is you you got to turn this. You know, you talked about Kenny Pickett not um, uh, not having the longest uh, interception list streak in the NFL right now. That has to change. That you got to mm -hmm. you got to get after Kenny Pickett, and you got to have faith. Hopefully, our guys get healthy in Cleveland, and Denzel Ward's feeling okay, and Juan Thornhill's feeling okay. Because if they are, uh, you know, that's going to be a tough matchup for Kenny Pickett to go up against that defensive backfield. Yeah, you got to know where 21 is on the field with uh, with Ward and then Garrett. I mean, he's going to be a matchup nightmare for anyone. Uh, so to neutralize him, I look at Broderick Jones and is making his third start at right tackle where it's like, can he continue to effectively control the line of scrimmage? Can he pull? we call him a dancing polar bear for his ability to get to the second and third levels of defenses and display the athleticism that made him a first round pick out of Georgia. He's a player that the Steelers drafted up to get. They traded with the Patriots and the Patriots said the enemy of my enemy is a friend and we're going to prevent <laughs> the Jets from taking him at 15. The Steelers get him at 14 and okay. You're talking about a hypothetical, but if Broderick Jones is the, Jets starting left tackle is Aaron Rodgers hurt. You know, like we could play this what if scenario. But how Broderick Jones plays in his third start is going to be huge. Can you can continue to establish the running game back to back weeks where you've had season highs coming off the game where you had 205 yards rushing? If you can establish that again, maybe you can get Kenny Pickett going in the passing game because Kenny Pickett needs to get better. George Pickens has been pouting a little bit too. He wants to get the ball. I understand it. Uh, at the same time, if a defense is going to say, hey, we're going to put a safety over the top, who else does that open up? Can Deontay Johnson win one-on-one -on -one matchups with his route running ability? Getting Pat Fryermuth is going to be back big at the tight end position because, okay, Kenny Pickett, you've been struggling to throw the ball effectively. There's your security blanket. So, yeah, I mean, we I, 
it's funny. We could record this five weeks from now, and I'd probably be saying a lot of the same things about the Steelers' <laughs> offense, but you want to start to see some improvement. Uh, you've seen it with some of the running game. It needs to get better with uh, Pickett. Steelers have been 2-0 since Jones has taken over at right tackle, 2-0 with Matt Canada from the booth now on the sidelines to getting more of that feedback and that interaction with players on the sidelines. You hope that that gets better because, um, again, if the offense continues to struggle this year, his contract's up at the end of the year, he's going to be your, okay, who's our scapegoat? He's going to yeah. be the guy Steelers point to come season's end. I want to play really quickly before we get to keys and predictions. Uh, I, I want to play a quick word association game with you with two players for the Pittsburgh right. Steelers. I'm really fascinated in this. Just tell me really quickly, first thing that pops into your head when you think about this: these two players. The first one uh, is Jalen Warren. Lightning. Lightning. Najee Harris. Thunder. You th okay. All right. I'm interested. I'm very interested to see how they are perceived in Pittsburgh because Jalen Warren he's the guy that scares me way more than Najee Harris does. Yeah. And rightfully so he's made the more of his opportunities. I don't look at it as like an antagonistic thing with the Steelers two running backs, but here's how I look at it from a front office standpoint. Najee Harris. Now it's several years in they drafted him because it came down from art Rooney, the owner saying, we're not going to finish dead last in the league in rushing ever again. <laughs> Najee Harris has been a good leader for this team. I like Najee. He's good with media members and all of that. He just doesn't seem to have a second gear. It's like when a car stuck in first gear and it's like, okay, you want to accelerate in between the tackles. He's good. You're going to need him. He's a different style of runner than Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren runs so hard. And I don't think it's yeah. a mistake that he, they're listed as co-starters. Now I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, uh, beyond Next season, are you going to pick up Najee's fifth-year option because he was a first-round pick? And right now, I'd probably say no. I just don't think he's worth that money. I just don't, given what you the production you can get from a running back and a running back like Jalen Warren, who is an undrafted player. So it, you're going to need them both, though, too, because it's going to be tougher and tougher to tackle Najee Harris in the fourth quarter of games when it's cold out November, December, January. But... Jalen Warren, he's made the most of his opportunities, and statistically, it just looks a lot better. It looks better on tape, too. Najee Harris has been better, but if he's your first-round pick, let's be honest, is he going to be worth that big second contract at a running back position where typically you're not going to pay a premium unless you're getting it like a Christian McCaffrey-type player? All right, let's get into keys. Uh, you were getting into it a little bit before. You wanted to save it for right now, so I'm going to give it to you. What's your What's your biggest key to this game this weekend? It, it's the edge rush. The edge rush versus the Browns offensive tackle. We'll see about Dewan Jones if he can go at right tackle. But that, to me, is if the Steelers are going to win the game, it'll be a lot like that Monday night game where we saw where it's like, there's your advantage where you generate 14 defensive points. I don't expect that level of production because I think the Browns will make adjustments to that from what we saw from that Monday night game earlier this year. But that to me is the biggest thing where it's like, that is where your advantage lies in this game. Cause we know what to expect from TJ Watt and Highsmith, who got a big contract extension on the eve of the season is proving his worth too. So that to me is going to be the biggest thing. And I mean, they're cliches, but they're all very important. The turnover takeaway situation because that's how the Huge. Steelers have achieved success. And then which team can run the ball better and win time of possession. So it's like those three things off the edge, what that matchup does, turnover battle, and then controlling the clock and controlling the line of scrimmage and the time of possession. Uh, I'm going to give you my key and it feels like a little bit of a cop out, but it's, it's, it's real here for us. It's uh, the key to me is Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson comes out, again, not 14 for 14, not perfect, not, not, you know, if he comes out and just plays well, just plays a good football game, beginning to end a good football game, limits his own mistakes, uh, and and is opportunist, opportunistic with both his arm and his legs, because that was such a big reason for the win against Baltimore, was when he got rolling with his legs, it was awesome to watch. It's what we wanted to see. Uh Stay clean. Don't take big hits. 
make smart plays, don't turn the ball over. I think if 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 um, Deshaun Watson plays a good football game, the Cleveland Browns have a massive advantage there. And so that to me is the key. I know it feels like a cop out to say the quarterback, no, not at all. But but not when it has been such a question, if if he's right, if if Baltimore got him right, and he's right. Uh, that to me is the biggest key, and I feel I would feel much more comfortable going into this game if I know he's right. So yeah, and that's that's what the Browns. That's why they brought him in. That's what you thought you'd be getting on a consistent basis, and yep, we finally saw it for a half. And it's like, can he sustain that? That's going to be the that's big it. question. That's it. All right, Mark, I'm going to let you get out of here, but I'm not going to let you get out of here without a prediction. So give me your score prediction: Browns, Steelers in Cleveland this Sunday, 1 p.m. Both teams six and three. Who do you got coming away with a win in this one? Well, I don't think this is exactly going to be a shootout with the over-under at 37. And your listeners and viewers will love this. I've got the Steelers winning 23 to 20. I think it's going to be tight. Man, I'll say this too. If Nick Chubb hadn't gotten hurt in that first game too, I don't mean to rub salt in the wound, but I think you're talking talking about about a different outcome in all seriousness. I just think the Steelers find a way. I don't know why. It is just a gut feel uh, I've got Pittsburgh winning, and uh, this will probably be my last time on your program because of that. No prediction. way. Like, no, Mark, first of all, this has been great. I'm gonna, I'll give you a little bit of flowers here in a minute, but uh, you got to stop bringing up the Nick Chubb thing because there is a rage. There's a rage in Cleveland about that hit and about Pittsburgh and Nick Chubb. There is a rage. we got to stop talking about that. Uh, my prediction, uh, you probably won't love this one so much, but my prediction is Browns 31, Steelers 13. Uh, I, I think – I think the Browns. I think the Browns statement win this thing. Uh, I, I, I just. Hey God, I though. Hey God, though. Back to back statement wins. Mike, explain this to me. Well, the statement win against the Ravens was the beginning for me. It was the beginning. It was like the knock on the door, and, and the Steelers game is the kick the door in. Uh, the Steelers game is the kick the door in. That it's the the Heisenberg. If you watch Breaking Bad, it's the I am the one who knocks. That's what this is. <laughs> This game for me, and again, this is a true prediction. I'm not trying to be a smart ass. Uh, this is what I will put down on in writing. Although I will say, I called the uh, last second field goal against the Ravens. That was my prediction, and they nailed that one. Um, I think the Browns run away with this one. I think the defense is um, too good, and I think the offense. If the offense would have looked like the what I think they're going to look like tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Sunday. Uh, in the first game, they would have won that game. I think they're going to play a little bit of a cleaner football game. I don't think they're. I don't think the Steelers are scoring two defensive touchdowns in this game. Yeah. Uh, and I think because of that, I think the Browns are going to do. The Browns have this weird thing that they do, where even when they don't feel like they're playing great offensively, they wind up with thirty points. Like it's just a wild <laughs> situation that they have. And and then all of a sudden, Kareem Hunt's like stumbling around for two touchdowns, and you're like, how did that even happen? Uh, I, I believe the Browns run away with this one by multiple scores. So again, I'm not trying to, that's not homerism. That is what I really feel like is going to happen in this game. And I, and I think the Browns are really good in their building and I think they're going to continue to be really good in their building. So that's my prediction for this one. Hey, Mark Bergen, uh, you can come back on this show. It's not going to happen again until next year, but when we do this show next year, uh, you can certainly come back on because you were a phenomenal guest. I hate the fact that I keep having these guests on from these rival teams last week. Kevin Ostriker with the Ravens. He's been on with me twice now and people like him and people enjoy him (laughs) and it sucks. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling, even though we want to talk shit about, about the Steelers, I have a feeling a lot of people here are going to like Mark Bergen and they should because Mark, you brought up a lot of great points. You were super educated on everything. I appreciate your knowledge of both the Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. And I could, I don't know that I could have, I don't know that I could have had a better guy on here to talk Brown Steelers with. So I really appreciate it. Make sure you check out Mark on the Believe in Steelers podcast uh, with Ike Taylor, former Steelers player, uh, uh, and and check out his coverage of the Steelers. If you want to know how he's feeling about this game as the week goes on, make sure you follow him online at Mark Bergen underscore Mark. Thank you so much for coming into the doghouse tonight. Mike, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it and all the kind words. And uh, I just hope your listeners and viewers have some mercy in all seriousness. But uh, it was a pleasure, and we'll see what happens Sunday because this AFC North, like – we're a problem for each other, but we're a problem for the rest of the league as well. I think there's a lot of mutual respect among the teams in the division, and you can see why. But thank you again for having me tonight. I really appreciate it, Mike. All right, Mark. Have a good one. See you later, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little smack during the game, okay? <laughs> Love it. Take care now. See you later. 
Mark Bergen, again, go check him out at Mark Bergen underscore on Twitter. A good dude. Uh, really appreciated it. And it was nice to have a Pittsburgh guy come on and under and kind of know what he was talking about. That was great. So, uh, no, Mark was great. Please make sure you go follow him. Give him a little bit of love. Uh, very respectful. I love that about this. I want to talk a little bit of smack, but it's, it's hard. It's hard when you like the guy. It's hard when you like the guy. Uh, the Browns and the Steelers coming up on Sunday, 1 o'clock. You go take a break for like 55 minutes because I'm going to be right back on Garage Beers tonight. We got a fun guest tonight. We got a fun guest. I don't know if you've seen this guy on TikTok, but his name's Chef Zay. And he does like commentary for the Browns games and he's wild. And he, and uh, he might be the most passionate guy I've ever seen about the Cleveland Browns. He's going to come on and talk Browns with us. We're going to talk about his videos. We're going to talk about his content. And we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns uh, and so much more. So we got that going on on Garage Beers tonight, 9 p.m. I will be back with Chad, Joey, and our special guest, Chef Zay, to talk Browns, Cavs, Blue Jackets, and everything else. Make sure you grab a beer and come back and hang out with us then. For the rest of the week, OBR Weekly Wednesday with Barry and Fred. Uh, all Eyes on Cleveland Thursday with Brad Ward, and it all leads up to Sunday, 1 o'clock, Browns, Steelers, uh, and we've got the game day rewind that'll happen at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday night, so be a part of that and be a part of the OBR. Make sure you're subscribed to the OBR. Make sure you are tuned in to Twitch and YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to all the socials and following everywhere there, and get to the OBR.com. Check out the merchandise, and make sure you're following and reading along there. That's going to do it for the Doghouse again. Big thank you to Mark Bergen for coming on from the Believe in Steelers podcast. Uh, and that's going to do it for Ian back behind the scenes, getting us on the air. I am Michael Keefe. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next week, go Browns.